everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michael Chenitz. Today we have Vic Gamma. Hey, from Mike. Kong headquarters. Is it Kong HQ or is uh, just it just Kong? Kong? Just you know, Kong. Because I yes. go to Kong HQ, so it's kind of like, you know, I never know whether to call it Kong or Kong HQ. No, uh, the company <laughs> uh, company is Kong because it's named after the, uh, the, the basic product, Kong. Yeah, Everything yeah. started with Kong. So. Yeah, yeah. It all started... That's great. And the problem is with the when you try to get the, the cool um, cool name. Yeah. Uh, the cool name and the domains already taken, so you need to come up with something. I don't know HQ or like the Kong or you know this this type of stuff. So yeah, so that's why the website Kong HQ, but uh, the company is Kong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's great. So so you know it's it's interesting. This this is a such a huge topic these days. One of the things that we talk about is API gateways, and you hear this term a lot. So let's just break it down for a second for, for, for all the listeners out there and viewers. Um, what, what is an API gateway? Why do we need this? So let's, let's just start there and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig in a little further. Um, so I think uh, your audience is technical enough so I can like swear as I can in terms of like uh, the technical jargon and stuff okay. like that, right? Um, so uh, API gateway is essentially um, implementation of gateway pattern. Like if you old enough in the industry, you remember this like enterprise uh, integration patterns and there was a pattern about gateway. So essentially it's something that lets you in into something. So something that meets you. Uh, and maybe it do some of the things. So think about this, um, you have a, um, the, the bouncer at the uh, discotheque um, and uh, it needs to check your ID. It needs to check that you are you know, at the age where you will be able to drink. Um, same thing with the API gateways. This is a software that allows you to, um, you can put some of the logic on top of it, so you, your, your services, your upstream services and application uh, don't have to do this because like, why we have a bouncer there because the bar the bartender doesn't have a time to check every id so in same your application doesn't have to check like every id or implement all possible authentication and authorization logic so that's why you need to have the api gateway that stands in front of your uh, your application that can do some of the like heavy lifting that you don't have to to do in your application yeah yeah and and you know so so previous to this um really people would use things that weren't necessarily totally meant for this so you know we would use things probably like you know nginx and and apache and things like that but they could do a lot of other things they weren't lightweight they they were web servers themselves right they, were, they did a lot of that so this kind of abstracted away a little bit of that you know um um the, just the pieces that are needed, really. Yeah, exactly. So the but the, the things that we all uh, love and uh, use these days, like Nginx, for example, that runs like a I don't know, like a bigger part of the internet these days. Um, it's still there. It yeah, still can be uh, like a working horse, yeah. um, but there would be some additional logic that needs to put this. So uh, this um, HTTP servers um, and HTTP proxies, they also perform reverse proxy logic sometimes. And this is how some, some, some users is how they end up in the gateway world. They want to do a little bit more on the reverse proxy side of things. So not, um, not allowed to traffic go out, but rather the traffic go in and routing to specific, you know, specific service. Yeah, and, and I would say that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, you know, my assumption is that you know, something like an API gateway is so needed right now because of microservices. Microservices had made this almost a necessity because you have all these services all over the place. And, um, you know, so, so you need a way for them to, you know, for, from the outside to come in 
and figure out where they're coming in and how they're going to communicate and what pieces of those are going to go to those services. Exactly. Yeah. So the routing logic is a very important part of um, the, the API gateway. Um, your consumer server of API, um, the, either it can be mobile client or any other client, you can have a, like API as a product, you're building something like, I don't know, Twitter, they expose their API. They need to have an API gateway on top of their uh, gigantic service that, and every time with hitting, for example, like a Firehose API, it doesn't necessarily will go to one service. But we as the developers, we don't care. We just want to consume the Firehose API. Um, and internally, the gateway will handle the logic of the, you know, aggregating some of the responses from multiple services, do a transformation. Um, another thing that's very popular and common is, um, say, you want to go with the new features in your API as a developer internally, like your developer of microservice. However, you have some sort of SLAs for your, your API consumers, and you cannot just like go and, and tell them like, you know, we're switching. Um, what you can do here, you can do like some of the request transformations to support like different versions of, uh, of, this, of the clients. Um, based on some headers, you can route to one service, version one or version two or version three, and you can you know, have a backward compatibility in your service without you know, uh, slowing you down. You still can continue to, to, um, to innovate and uh, develop new services, but uh, API Gateway allows you to have this flexibility and uh, have this control over how the traffic will render the service. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because I always have this conversation with people and I, and I, I have this conference, whenever I do a conference, I, I love to do this talk, which is like the evolution of the API and, and where they kind of came from and also microservices. And I always talk about the fact of how this all came about, you know, because traditionally there was a lot of like, like there, in the legacy application, there weren't these microservices. It was monolithic. You had, you had libraries and those libraries, everything was kind of linked together. So you, you just... Um, you know, you just went out to those libraries and, and everything was on one server. You know, you might have had a database you connected to, you had it on a single server. Really, the need for all this came from the fact that you wanted to design these services in a better way and, and introduce them faster. And that's really where the, where the need for the microservice came in was the fact that, you know, we wanted to be able to say, okay, just this piece, maybe just the part that takes payments. We're just going to introduce that slowly and use something, maybe a canary deployment that will, will allow us to introduce it and check to see whether there's any errors. And if there are, you know, back it off really quick. Yeah. So now you're starting to, you know, really, get, you know, weigh the risk out a little bit better. So would you say that's what you see like a lot of your customers and you think that's, that's true what I'm, what I'm kind of describing there? Yes, and uh, this is 100% uh, true, and uh, evolution also happens not only in uh, developer side of things, but on the vendor side of things. Um, you, you point out that uh, the web servers like HTTP, uh, the Nginx or uh, Apache HTTPD, um, those things were used as a kind of like a load balancer to front mm -hmm. these applications. And the, since like we are on the KubeCon, I think we can say like that we right now <laughs> on the KubeCon, um, yes, those absolutely. things were also introduced in, uh, in Kubernetes, like as an ingress. And when you have an ingress in front of your application, it's essentially your reverse proxy. It doesn't do anything much. Uh, but allows to traffic go in your uh, server, and based on certain routes, it will go into a particular uh, particular service inside Kubernetes. Now, 
when you try to ev ev evolve this idea, you're definitely going into the route that you need to do a little bit more, like things like uh, canary deployments, and you want to have a, some sort of like a weighted uh, logic and like 50% of requests will go to this one, 50% uh, of goes to version two. And uh, the overall thinking about this and how the systems like a, like a, like a Kubernetes and Ingress need to work um, come into something that called a gateway API. This is something that um, the, the Kubernetes Networking Special Interest Group is working right now. It's, I guess it's right now, it's close to beta state. Um, but essentially, it it's, uh, supersedes functionality for ingress by providing these, uh, the gateway-like capabilities to any uh, system that will be front your services that runs on Kubernetes. So yes, um, this is thinking uh, evolves not only uh, uh, application development, like you said, like you want to introduce like a slowly your new payment service, but also from perspective of vendors and community, they want to support these developers to to start thinking in a in a more um, gateway like uh, gateway like approach rather than um, just a simple like HTTP proxy. Yeah, and also I think uh, what a lot of people don't realize too is that the combination of these API gateways and a service mesh is is really powerful in that that's where you get most of your data and information about how these services are running. Yeah. So one of the biggest problems you have in, in something like, you know, Kubernetes, which is great. I love, believe me, I'm the biggest Kubernetes fan around, you know, but you need a way to observe. You need a way to get the data. You need a way to get the telemetry. You need to understand and make decisions on that. And that's really where, you know, this becomes hugely powerful is when you combine those things together and you can get that data and telemetry. It also offloads a lot of that, the, the onus on the developer to create a lot of that stuff yep. that you would need, like encryption and like, you know, the telemetry and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things I do want to mention though, I, and, and I think this is across the industry, and this isn't, by the way, any, in any way a Kong problem, mm -hmm. the, is, is that there are so many solutions out there right now, and there are so many different service meshes and so many different gateways and so many different... You know, and now even as you said, you know, um, uh, Kubernetes itself is looking at API gateways. So, yep. so where is the right point in your mind to like, should there be, you know, a Kubernetes gateway or should that be a third party thing or should there be a service mesh and should there be like a standard service mesh in Kubernetes? You know, I feel like there's so many of these different pieces that sometimes people don't know where to go and, and how to mix them together. So any recommendations, like, you know, what, what do you see and what do, what do, you, what do you feel about that? Yeah, so um, I feel very um, interesting. So from one point of view, I really love the, the standard things. But yeah. from another point of view, I'm a huge fan of this uh, CD comics where you can see that, uh, oh, we have a 10 competing standards. Let's create one that yeah. will, you know, merge them all. And now we have 11 competing standards yeah. now. Um, so that's why I'm very, um, not, not practical or pragmatic about the standards. Yeah, yeah. So I've been in the Java world for a while and I've seen uh, some of the standards, how they evolve around like a Java E space. Um, I was doing, uh, like back in the day, I was doing like enterprise middleware and I was doing uh, the Hazelcast, which is like in memory data grid. Yep. And we were, were, were the part of the committee who worked on the Jcash standard. And it was like 10 years they working on the standard to release like a first version because no one can agree like what needs to be there. Like what's the cache or what is the, like a, what pieces of computation you need to put into, into cache, like uh, how you can do like uh, entry processing and things like that. Same thing with the uh, gateways and Kubernetes and uh, 
the service measures. Um, I think having um, um, some of the some of the I'm, I'm looking to the standard not from perspective of everyone needs to implement it, but I'm looking to this one from perspective of um, interface and implementation. In a, in an object-oriented language, you can define an interface and you can implement this interface, but you can also provide some extra functionality on top of this interface. Um, should it be standard interface that um, all developers need to code against? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that should be one. Um, very difficult to agree about at some point. We need to stop kind of like a standard things and the uh, rest of the stuff would be rely on the implementation. I think the ingress uh, in Kubernetes didn't go very far to um, to define this um, functionality that can be done on the um, on the edge on the on the this kind of like a gateway level, so that's something that gateway API will fix. Specifically, ingress was around design was around L7 protocols, HTTP, HTTPS. However, we know that our microservices these days talking to gRPC, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, even though it's all L7, you can technically proxy this, but you need to have a support on proxying the streaming uh, uh, protocols um, on the gateway level, on the actual implementation. So the um, gateway API makes it a little bit more um, implicit in terms of how you're thinking about your gateway because you define a like, gateway class um, and you define your gateway. It's kind of gateway class is your interface and the gateway is your implementation. You can have a multiple um, instances of this gateway class that is serving different purposes. Plus, uh, community realized that um, th there's also need to deploy not only HTTP-based services. TCP, UDP is still a thing. You want to deploy some databases there. Um, you can deploy, I don't know, VPN server. You can deploy DNS, which also runs on UDP, um, and expose this to outside world so the uh, consumers can use. Th th it's not possible to do with standard ingress. You need to either um, do some hacks around like load balancer and uh, the node ports, or you have a standard way to do this through, um, it's going to be like TCP or UDP route. This is going to be standard object. You define this and say, hey, my service to serve TCP. Here we go. Um, and uh, the, the gateway will handle uh, all this type of jazz. So, yeah, yeah, no, and and I do agree. I mean, it's 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 always a it's always a um, you know you have to weigh it out. You know what what needs to be as part of the core, and that's the biggest thing. It's like what what has to be part of yeah. the Kubernetes. Release core? early <laughs> uh, and iterate more often. That's yeah. kind of like agile way of doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I t I totally agree with that. Um, one of the things that, that I that I that I think about all the time with a lot of these API gateways is, you know, a lot of stuff is defined in YAML and and things like that. And I don't know if they do this already. I, I honestly haven't researched it that much, but I would love to see applications have libraries that self register with with like gateways. So you mm -hmm. don't have to create a YAML. You don't have to create it. It could just say the service is coming up, I'm gonna register. And and automatically, I don't have to do anything. It's it's it knows the gateway is aware of that mm -hmm. and knows the service came up and and can register itself. I feel like that's the next level. I don't know why like I haven't seen that yet, but I would love to see just services come up, connect, register. Of course, that's um, that's a really cool idea. I think I, I can uh, I can uh, I can hack around some of some example that can do that. So um, the difference between again the gateways and yeah. uh, the HTTP service uh, in yeah. the past, HTTP servers would uh, require. Um, you know, configuration management. Mm -hmm. um, you need to have uh, like have an updated configuration. You need to restart the server, things like that. With the gateway, um, 
with gateways, we actually went a little bit, little bit over the top, I think. Um, for example, uh, at Kong, we support this kind of like a separation from uh, data plane and control plane. So essentially, our actual proxy that routes your traffic can run in the headless mode. So there would be no um, admin API. There would be nothing. And all these updates will come from the control plane that will be deployed remotely somewhere. And um, that's um, that's that's the that's the power where where you can have a I think that this is lots of influence come from the service mesh um, yeah, service absolutely. mesh architecture. Yep. This is where you have a um, your uh, data planes run next to your applications and control plane can send the configuration to all this. But in general, like if you need to like route the traffic, um, data plane don't need to communicate to control plane often. Uh, it's yep. only required like whenever there's configuration update or it will start new service and you need to uh, rehydrate uh, the local configuration that would be empty um, that's the uh, that's a one way of uh, of doing this and uh, the way how the service meshes is doing this they also providing kind of like discovery service when you did the um, 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 joining the, the some of the application uh, runs inside the service mesh and joins the service mesh uh, you will have ability to um, have a um, uh, like a routing logic or like service discovery logic, for example, sure. you can have some like special domain name called dot mesh, and there's ba ba based based on convention you can have my service name dot mesh, and this is how you discover the service. Like I want to find um, ordered service, and it would be ordered service dot mesh. So you don't need to have um, maybe you can have it uh, somewhere already pre-configured, and you don't need to worry. The service will be always pointed to the right pod with right um, instance of your application, and uh, you can do also cool things, things we just discussed with the, the canary deployment and uh, like awaited traffic uh, routing to, to those things. So I think um, that's why the people very often asking this, okay, so I'm confused. What's the API gateway? What's the service mesh? And like how they will uh, talk to each other. So all these uh, technologies that borrow some ideas from each other, you yeah. know, the um, idea of like a uh, like separation and hybrid uh, deployment between the control plane and data plane that definitely comes from the service mesh idea. Uh, also find uh, its implementation in uh, gateways world. And uh, the uh, service mesh will borrow the idea of having the proxy in front of your service. And this proxy will handling stuff like uh, MTLS, handling stuff like uh, retries. The things that we did in libraries. I, I don't know what's your background. Again, I, I like to return to Java because in yeah. Java we have everything. <laughs> and all these libraries already done uh, stuff for us for, for many years. And now um, we kind of teaching people to focus on business logic, but rather uh, thinking about infrastructure, like how you will secure your application. You don't need to implement this within your application because if you want to implement similar logic in the different language, you need to make sure they have the same support for, um, I don't know, like some of the libraries that you use in one language needs to have a same counterpart in a different language. With things like service mesh or even the API gateway, you don't have to do this because the infrastructure will handle like MTLS, for example, for you. So, yeah, and, and there's there's a lot of great examples out there. I mean, you see uh, Google's uh, I forget what what the app was called that everybody uses, but it has like it has like a big you know everything over the service mesh, but it has everything every service written in a different language. One's Go, one's Java, yeah. one's you know. So uh, I really love this demo. Yeah. So they yeah. the GCP uh, the Google Cloud Platform team wrote this um, like 
Boutique. 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 That's yes. it. Yeah, but it was called something else first. I forgot. Uh, really yeah, yeah, it was some some e-commerce application yeah, that like yeah, uh, yeah. every I, component. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, every component <laughs> yeah. written in a different language, and uh, I use I like to use it because I like to show the people. Hey, I didn't touch the code. Like yep. I just took their containers yep. and wrapped them into uh, like uh, the. YAML, as, yep, as you know, yep, like yep. <laughs> YAML is everywhere. Yep. Um, and after that, like it just works. Yeah. Um, it, it shows that without changing the code, you can like lift and shift your existing uh, the, the uh, container workloads and move them into a service mesh uh, world. So here's here's another thing that I that I always think of because by the way you know my background is you know I I, I worked for leading a lot of the strategy for cloud data for cloud and compute. I worked on service meshes. I worked on you know a lot of stuff we did for for Cisco, and um, we have like three different service meshes. By the way, one of them is network service mesh. I project. know like two yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, like a problem yeah. with Aspen mesh, Kong. right? We do deal with Kong too. I mean, we, yeah. we actually use you guys for a lot of things too. Aspen uh, mesh and the Bonsai Cloud. Well, mesh. the Bonsai Cloud is now uh, Kalisti is what we re just renamed it to. It uh -huh. was called Service Mesh Manager, uh -huh. uh, and I was actually the the TME for that one too. Um, and uh, we have an uh, open source project called Network Service Mesh, which uh -huh. uses Spiffy and Spire and does actual ports. That's it doesn't do like, you know, so it's not using layer seven. It's yeah. using like, you know, layer two, you know, three, four, sorry. And, oh, wow. And in terms of opening ports, closing ports, and just as needed. So just mm -hmm. as you're communicating over. So it answers that other question of nice. what if we're using stuff that we're not thinking yeah. about right now, yeah. you know, in order to do that. And oh, it wow. uses WireGuard to like open up and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and then we have a, uh, a, a, a streaming, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, sorry, it's called uh, Network Streaming Mesh. I, I always forget what it's called. The Aspen? But, no. Uh, it's the one that's used for low latency okay. uh, in terms of, in terms of things like that. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, so I'm totally familiar with service meshes. Here's the question I have yep. though is, so we're really a subset of a subset. So when you think about it, there's a lot of people that are still just learning about Kubernetes. Now we're adding API gateways and service mesh. How do we simplify this for people that are just getting into it? How do we make it so that, because I feel like, you know, I understand it, you understand it. And a lot of people who are super into Kubernetes are gonna understand, or even if they're beginning, they're gonna start to understand it. But how do we make it easier for people to get into it? You yeah. know, and understand um, what these things are? Developer experience, it's the big part of my day-to-day -day job. So I do uh, all sorts of uh, developer relations at Kong. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we were frustrated as uh, just engineers before we started the um, our own uh, project around um, uh, Kuma, which is a CNCF sandbox project, is that um, the existing solutions at that time they were like a super like a convoluted and super um, <laughs> meshed with the some of the aspects of Kubernetes and like very very tight and there was like a using and abusing the CRD model. There was like tons of different the custom resources that you need to know. So the idea was that okay, so what if we'll take the um, the driver technology, the same technology that they use. Um, in terms of like a sidecar. So we use a standard, uh, now it's a standard Envoy um, as a sidecar because Envoy mm -hmm. provides the things that you yeah, described, the uh, observability, compatibilities, things dynamic of dynamic configuration so we can like communicate to this um, Envoy through the like APIs and configure this. Um, 
and make it like a really simple, just focus on only policies that require for your application. Um, we're not gonna do like a very crazy logic with the, some of the, the virtual stuff. You can do this, like transparent proxies and all these things um, are supported there for more advanced users, for, um, for users who just wanna start. You know, you just have a, like install the control plane, con uh, the container pod into your, um, um, into your Kubernetes cluster, or you don't have to have a Kubernetes cluster at all. So Kuma uh, has this idea from the very beginning. It, it wants to be a universal mesh, and universal means that regardless on deployment points, so we not have a like strong de uh, dependency on Kubernetes. You can run this on the VMs. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some uh, some uh, like uh, deployment scripts that allow you to to run this in in bare metal or any cloud like EC2 or ECS. Um, and uh, we, we're trying to not uh, <laughs> uh, we're trying to not um, um, find the obviously it would be easier on Kubernetes because we simply that we can automate and simplify certain things in Kubernetes, but it's not um, it's not like a requirement like a strong requirement. You can run this um, you can run this in, in Windows as a matter of fact. So, oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And by the way, I'm gonna have Varen on later who was who had a lot to do with uh, the original uh, Envoy proxy mm. and things like that. So we'll be talking to him later on. Yeah. Stay um, tuned and don't yeah, forget to like and to subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We only have a few minutes left because I'm trying to keep these pretty small for 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 my editors out here who 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 have this job of editing all these people together. So I want to thank them first of all, uh, because we have about 20 people coming on this show. Oh, you're wow. the first. It's gonna be it's gonna be hot uh, a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. The, always the KubeCon is gonna yeah. be like hot days meeting yeah. people and all this stuff. Yep. Yeah. So so yeah, we have about 20 people. You were the first though. So this how's it gonna I be appreciate first? This. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. This has been great, by the way. I yeah. think this has been an awesome conversation. <laughs> The question I want to ask, we are at uh, KubeCon. What are you excited about? What are you excited to see about here? I mean, I, I'm a techie. I'm sure you seem the same way. What it, you know, there's got to be technologies and things that are new that you're, you're probably excited to see and learn about, or maybe even stuff that you didn't know that you've already seen. I yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just excited to be here yeah, yeah. after two years uh, of uh, virtual events and uh, doing stuff over Zoom. Um, I met a lot of people over the Zoom, and yeah. uh, like uh, we were always kind of like debating in the like, overall community. Oh, how are we going to be doing our jobs without like a travel? And it turns out to be okay. It's yeah. not perfect, but yeah. like it turns out to be okay. Like I personally also like uh, went like a very like a dark pass on the setting up my studio and like all bump up on my production now. I already seen some of the devices that I <laughs> need to buy now in my in, in for my studio. I using the, the the also field recorder, but it's like a Zoom XX, uh, like it's uh, the smaller one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, all these kind of things. But I'm excited to to finally uh, get back and meet uh, people in person um, and talk about uh, different technology, different uh, different stuff, and uh, talking about standards. Uh, speaking about the standards, um, yesterday during service cash, uh, service mesh con, uh, Envoy team announced that um, they're going to be working on supporting this gateway API on Kubernetes, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a native CNCF project called Envoy Gateway, which is kind of you know. Funny name because Envoy by itself means gateway, right? Um, and there's gonna be Envoy gateway that will be using uh, this uh, the, the Kubernetes uh, gateway API. Uh, that I'm excited about this because uh, we're also working on uh, Envoy gateway in the Kuma and it's already there. So I was doing some of the talks there. So check on YouTube channel. It's a shameless plug. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, but this one is actually like this one is a Kong Inc. 
on YouTube because Kong HQ and Kong was already taken. So we had to go into different ways to speak in, you know, the, the beginning of this podcast. Um, but uh, yes, I'm excited just to um, just to meet people, maybe um, uh, restore some of the past connection and maybe find some new connection. Maybe we can, uh, I usually like to collaborate with some other DevRels and integrating uh, some of the technologies. You know, there's some official kind of like a partnership levels between the companies, but yeah. like with people in trenches, like a DevRel uh, developer advocates and the field engineers, they we, we can just like, oh, let's let's do something for fun and see how it works. And it turns out some of the project that we're doing for fun. For example, yesterday I presented uh, some of the um, some of the developments that we did around integrating server mesh in Kafka, for example. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the people, want to use it like why not so i i um i just partnered with uh, with my friend from uh, from confluent it was the kafka people um and uh we you know build this demo running the uh, service mesh and kafka together and enabling like uh, the mtls enabling like a logging and traffic permissions that's just in front of the audience that was exciting yeah and it's funny because devrel and, and i'm in devrel too so so you know for me I see a lot of the innovation come out of DevRel because we're always thinking about how these things can integrate together and, and what makes sense and, and also what do people want, you know, like you're talking to a lot of people and they're like, oh, well, this would be cool, but, you know, maybe if we could connect this together or do this. Yeah. And DevRel is really where a lot of that sometimes comes together, at least the mock-up of it. You know, sometimes you can't do the coding or the, you know, in, you know, in logic things, but but you're starting to get the concepts there and then you can hand it over and say, well, we're seeing a lot of people interested in yeah. engineering. Maybe you should add some of these features. Yeah, like yeah in exactly. You know? Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. And that's yeah. why, you know, I'm super happy to get back and uh, uh, to um, to meet to meet people. And yeah, that's uh, it's going to be an awesome event. Well, awesome. Well, where can people find you? So if, if we're, you know, if, if are, I know you're probably online, you have you have Twitter, do you have YouTube, what do, what do you have? How can people get to you? Yeah, so uh, the easiest way to, to find me is the Twitter. Twitter will be somewhere in the, down yes, below in the comments. Um, uh, you can always DM me uh, with any questions around like cloud API connectivity and all this type of jazz and service meshes and uh, API gateways. Yep. Um, I do have my personal YouTube channel, but like I'm, I'm trying to do more work right now in the Kong YouTube channel. I do uh, streams every uh, two weeks, um, just like a casual sitting there, breaking things. Sometimes things don't work. Most of the times things don't work. But hey, that's the beauty. It's just uh, to you know uh, to chat and collaborate with some some other people. Um, yes, it's uh, the Con King. It's a YouTube channel where you can find all my stuff. But hey, just you know, find me on Twitter. That's that's so awesome. And by the way, I find when people are you know working on things and it doesn't work, sometimes that's the more interesting stuff. Yeah. You know, because you're you're troubleshooting, you're trying to figure it out. And for me, watching that, it's like oh, I went through that same thing. Yeah. You know, I did that same thing. A lot of people are scared of that. Like a lot of people are scared to put something out there that is. Yeah. You know, uh, you know that that's not perfect, but really, that's what people like. People yeah. like the realism. Yeah, people want to be I do have a, like a like a super like a well prepared demos. Like yeah, everything is great, everything is working. But also, I like to do you know yeah. this type of thing. Okay, so today I'm interesting to. Okay, so today I'm hacking around the Helm charts for blah and see how it would work with Kong. Yep. And um, that's the. Um, um, some of the conversations that I have uh, with with, uh, with customers might I influence some of the ideas because, like, other day I was talking to uh, to this person. Um, they were like in Germany and they kind of like a historically uh, monolithical like a JBoss shop. They running like one big application inside this application server. And then, okay, so we're ready for microservices. How are we doing this? Like, how we 
how we test this stuff. Yeah. And I said, okay, so let me, uh, let me do something for you. So, and I went uh, in stream and I showed the library called like a test containers um, that allows to, you know, test applications in containers, uh, test real software using containers um, and uh, kind of like example how they, you know, you can like move, write the test for monolithical, start breaking down and you still have a, you know, existing application, how the thing will fit into uh, the, the overall distributed architecture. So, uh, it turns out to be okay, yeah. Well, this has been great. So, thank you so much. Thanks for having you on the show. This has been awesome. It's great to I have you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, I would love to have you on the show again. I just think you're... you're it would be person. my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, I would, and I would definitely come to yours anytime. So. Absolutely. Yes, of course, yes. I'm doing another show, the Concast, the Cloud Connectivity go. Podcast. So, I would love to have you there and uh, get your experience around the uh, service meshes and all the service meshes, specifically close to hardware, maybe, yeah, like yeah. Uh, L2 uh, stuff. I would love to talk to you about Yeah. It. All right. Well, thank you so much. And... Uh, um, I'll see you again soon. Yeah, my name is Victor Gamow, and as always, have a nice day. All right. Thanks.